Hi, this is Angie Meadows, and this is The Rocker Recovery. And this is Will. And we're here today to continue talking about uh, the relationship addiction. We're in Chapter 17, and what we're talking about is whether we want to stay in this relation in a relationship that you're thinking about or whether you want to go now is there enough good stuff to stay or is this relationship torment i mean if it's tormenting you if you're crying if you're suffering constantly if it's giving you a stomach ache and hurt yeah it might be time to get some distance here so uh, kick us off with the principle if I agree with lies, I empower the liar. Okay, so a lot of times when you're in a toxic relationship, Will, there's a lot of lies. And if you can separate yourself from the other person enough to not need them to validate you, to not need their approval, but just to enjoy the good times with them, maybe maybe you can stay. But if you're losing yourself, it's bad. So let's see what addictive thinking looks like. As I'm sitting with the Lord this morning, I hear Him reminding me that anger, fear, sorrow, or lust strong impulse strong impulsive repetitive thinking or behavior behaviors are addictive mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are addictive chemicals leached in the brain that once formed developed ruts and dysfunctional unhealthy thinking patterns okay so these patterns are automatic the negative thoughts come if my thinking is passive. So every time I'm not intentionally thinking something, this will be an intrusive thought. So every possible quiet moment is flooded with noise. Even when there are no words, there's only anxiety. It takes as much work to stop and change the toxic thinking patterns as it does to find chemical sobriety from substance use disorder. So a lot of the addictions come from this toxic, looping, negative thinking patterns. It's like it's like you go use to stop that noise. What do you think? I would agree. Yeah. So let's see what the lesson says. Thoughts may not be immediately destructive, but will trap will be trapped in our lives to keep us entangled in toxicity. Mm-hmm. Contaminated thoughts cause recklessness, whining, obsessing, and an inability to see the truth. Embracing the strengths of sick love keeps us totally stuck. Embracing the stench. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it stinks. You know, so let's look at what sick love is. Number one. Full of lust. Keep going. Suspicion. Suspicious. Controlling. Dominating. Paranoid. Jealous. Accusing. Destructive. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so if you're in a relationship that has these sick, powerful um, components, it's sick. It's obsessive. It stinks. So here, let's look at what healthy is. It's trusting. Caring. caring. Respectful. Delightful. Comforting. Enjoyment. Excitement. Fulfilling. Oh, wow. Healthy, healthy, healthy. Trusting, caring, respectful, delightful, comforting, enjoyment, excitement, and fulfilling. That's what a nice, healthy relationship looks like. So if your relationship is both sick and healthy, if it vacillates between the two spectrums, but has enough enjoyable days, then stay. (laughs) But set up boundaries to protect your peace and let the other person own their emotional toxic and sick days yeah sometimes you just gotta you gotta say okay i'll be back in a little bit (laughs) so correct your sick thoughts and exchange them for healthy ones we an anchor let their emotions come and go but have no effect on you this will take maturity i think i meant to write be an anchor 
Yeah. Be a strong mm-hmm. anchor. And as you anchor yourself in maturity and stability and healthy love, where you can respond out of your true self with kindness and gentleness and patience and stay. Stay. It's, it's a great relationship for you to have the healthy parts of it and to be strong for that other person to heal. But if you're constantly mirroring them, if they're angry, you're angry. If they're sad, you're sad. If they're hurting, you're hurting. And you can't own your own self and it's going to drive you into addiction. You got to go. Some of our loved ones have their own struggles and are unpleasable and moody. If we cannot let them have their space to have their own mood and not make it ours, we can still enjoy our day. Mm -hmm. The Rocker Recovery Detachment Book (laughs) teaches 12 principles to detaching from suffering. I promise he's not drinking. (laughs) Just coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So if you maintain your sanity and detach from the suffering and there are enough good days, then stay. If you are stuck, intensely suffering and regressing emotionally, leave or at least get some temporary distance. It can be a week-by-week decision. Decisions don't have to be permanent. Any movement or exercising your right to choose your destiny is powerful. So sometimes you just get distance and you just move in and out of the relationship. And some of these relationships are going to be with parents or siblings that are toxic and unhealthy. And so you have more of an ability to move in and out of those relationships quickly if you're not financially dependent upon them. It takes maturity and practice to change thought patterns. Thought patterns. <laughs> Changed thought patterns will lead to changed behavior patterns. If we can learn these skills, we can own our own space and develop a strong internal fortress to deflect the codependent injury of suffering for another. So what's a codependent injury? A codependent injury is where we make ourselves responsible for somebody else's happiness. Hmm. Instead, we must return that responsibility to them. Yeah, so when I taught four-year-olds, I would rub my heart and I'd say, who's responsible for my happy heart? And they'd all rub their little hearts and they'd say, I'm responsible for my own happy heart. Because, you know, four-year-olds have a lot of emotions. They melt down a lot. And so when they did, I would give it back to them and tell them they were responsible for their smile. They could smile if they wanted. They could have a happy day if they wanted. They could mature, bounce through this these little uh, trials that were going on between them. Um, and they could have that internal peace. So a lot of us think that our internal happiness depends upon somebody else's love, uh, somebody else's um, strength. And, and it doesn't. It depends upon us. So what does it look like to be in a dead marriage? We're going to ask you some questions here, and I want you to think of these answers. Are you resistant to divorce from an emotional, physically abusive partner? Yeah. Is there a resistance here? And why are you resistant to leaving something that's extremely abusive. Are you making excuses for it? it? Do you think it's going to change? Does it change intermittently and then cycle back around? And is this repetitive? And how long has this been going on? Outline your reasons to leave. Why are you resisting leaving? Outline those reasons. Sometimes we need to learn to pray. Journaling moves the toxicity outside outside of ourselves so it isn't repressed and we can see it for what it is prayer releases the things we are powerless over to god you know will i can't tell you how many things we're powerless over 
I'm not sure that we have power over hardly anything in our life. No. <laughs> As, you know, I don't even have power over my own thoughts unless I intentionally take them captive and determine that I will control what I think. But I've got to be cognizant of hearing it, listening it, being quiet enough so I can hear those passive thoughts and decide whether or not this is a thought that I want to indulge. So if I want to stay, Lord, I wait on you. Please give me a pure word. This is what you're going to pray if you want to stay. I want nothing for my life that you don't want for me. I will sacrifice and stay and recommit my prayers and my heart to invest in this failing marriage and this divided family. I will do everything in my power to put it back together again and spare myself the heartache of divorce. Make my path plain before me and give me a decision soaked in peace that I may know the next step. But if you decide to divorce, here's the prayer I want you to pray. Lord, I will move on. Divorce. Bite the rag, embrace the pain. Wait for the sitting or wait for the sting of the curse to pass if that's what is best for me. Give me a word based upon your perfect will for my future, not based upon my wounds, bitterness, sadness, rejection, abandonment, neglect, and confusion. Making a move in total confusion is a struggle. But if I knew your year would look like last year, would this decision be so confusing? Lord, strengthen my heart. I will distance myself emotionally like I have left and learned to protect my own self until my path becomes plain. Yeah, so if you know that next year and the next year and the next year is going to look like last year, are you going to stay? Is this what you want to do? Is there is the other person making any movement? Are they, are they owning their own stuff? Are they cleaning up their own side of the street? So write down three possible decisions you can make in this relationship. Develop a safe internal self with detachment from suffering. This is called self-preservation. So what I do, Will, is that I make a decision. All right, I'm leaving. And then I go to bed with it, and I pray about it. Lord, I'm going to decide to leave if you don't wake me up with a different decision. And in the next morning, I'll wake up with, yep, that's exactly what I have to do, and it's internally I'm strong enough to do it, or I'll wake up thinking, no, I haven't found the right path yet. I don't have peace on that. So it could be that I don't have a strong enough identity to be even able to make my own decision. I'm I'm so confused that I want what I want. I know what I want when I'm alone and I'm with the Lord. But as soon as I get in front of this toxic person, I'm so confused, I don't know what to do. And so if that happens and you're standing in front of a toxic person, that you're in a relationship with and you cannot follow through with what you want to do and you hear yourself saying stuff that you know you don't mean and you don't really want but that person wants it then i need you to get distance so that you can make your own decisions <clears throat> without um, somebody else interrupting them with their desire for you so what does perpetual grieving look like a chronic grieving cycle is unhealthy unhealthily perpetual sorrow mm -hmm. you can never seem to let go resolve it or move on a chronic grieving cycle places you in the position of daily 
martyrdom. Martyrdom. Yeah, you're just sacrificing yourself over and over again. So, Lord, why do I stay in this sick relationship? Am I so love-starved that I can't let go of imaginary promises of future happiness? Surely I have the skills to stop this, and yet I can't get free. My journaling says this perpetual grieving that I am doing is idolatry. So as you're journaling this stuff, you'll find things that you didn't know was there. It feels like a toxic strain of emptiness and rejection that has me on a rumination replay of chronic bitterness. How could a decision be so elusive? How could it be so near and yet so far away? So I find, Will, that if I don't take care of uh, a wound, that wound will turn into unforgiveness anger, hatred, and then bitterness. But I'm making excuses for thinking that I'm just hurt. I'm just really hurt. But it's become uh, a stronghold in my life that set me up for this chronic grieving and this chronic bitterness that I don't even realize is there until I sit down and start journaling it. So here's what I want you to write about. Write out the things that are causing you to to grieve. Yeah, what's making you sad about this relationship? What is it that you seem so powerless over? What would you lose if you left? Hmm. Okay. Write out the things that you'd lose if you left. What would you gain if you left? Okay. Write out the things that you would gain. What would be the best thing for me? All right. So sometimes when you're in a healthy relationship, this is this is not uh, a good. This is not a good question. What's best for me is what's best for us. But if you're in a toxic relationship, yeah. and you're controlled, you don't got any choice. You got to choose to survive. You've got to choose self-preservation because the other person is out of control. And it may not be like that all the time. It may just cycle back around and around and around where you're always in a place where you've got to run to preserve yourself. So read right here. What would a peaceful life look like? Mm, What would that look like? Because if you can figure out what would that look like, because I'm sure you've had it in moments, maybe when they're out of town, maybe when you're away from them. And what would that look like if you had that all the time? And is that worth the sacrifice of what it is that you think could be there or might be there or those uh, false promises? What would I need to develop my half of a strong relationship? Yeah, what do you need to do? Is this even possible with this person? Huh. That's a good question. What steps do I need to do to focus on my recovery? So if you're in a relationship addiction, I don't care whether you have chemical addiction or not. I don't care if you uh, use alcohol or drugs or pills. If you're just in a toxic relationship and you are completely sober, but you are drunk on this relationship, crying and being emotionally manipulated, you've got to get recovery in this relationship. And we're going to work on chapters that's going to teach us how to recover ourselves in toxic relationships. What behaviors do I need to change? All right, that's a good question. You're going to start right there. Where do I need to heal? If you don't know what you need to do to heal so that you can have your own identity, it's going to be hard for you to find it. What negative thoughts do I have every day that keep me stuck? Yeah, so I want you to kind of make a list of 1 to 10. How obsessed with this person am I? How often do I cry? Um, How controlled do I feel? How anxious do I feel? How angry do I feel? Uh, On a scale of 1 to 10, just kind of list those things with yourself so that you can see how much toxicity really is there. What healthy thoughts could I meditate on? Okay, so sometimes, well, I just meditate over 
and over and over on the same thing. And every, I mean, I could be in my Bible three or four hours, and when I walk away from it, the racing thoughts stop. And what that's telling me is that I have that chronic PTSD. I have a complex post-traumatic stress from repetitive trauma, from repetitive abuse. So my good thinking parts of my brain has shut down, and the part of my brain that's uh, too hot and firing is looping negative thoughts over and over and over. And they're, they're not within my control until I force them to be within my control. And this is a lot of work. It's like going to a mental gym. It's a lot of work at the beginning where I'm taking every thought captive. Nope. I hear it. I'm not thinking it. Ah, I don't been down that road. It don't end nowhere. I've thought that a hundred times. There's no, there's no resolution to why they would do that or why they would say that or, or why this keeps going around. There's no making them happy. I have to do what's best for me. And then you take that thought captive. And the way I would do it is I would tie a scripture around my neck on a three by five card, or I would write it on my hand. And I literally had a split second as soon as I heard that passive thought to say the good thought. Delight yourself in me, and I shall give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> fret not, fret not, fret not, because of evil men. <laughs> fret not. You know, I would just have to get a scripture to break the power of that negative thought. And then what I would be doing is exercising that Hebrews 4.12. Take care. Um, the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword to cut to the bone and the marrow to be a discerner of the spirit and the soul. And so I would literally be using the Word of God to reprogram myself. And it would work every time. Now it it was rough the first few hours, and then it was it was easy. It was really easy. And now my passive thoughts were humming and singing and being playful, and they they were pleasant. They weren't they weren't tormenting. They were quiet. They were peaceful. So say us a prayer here. Lord, would you give me the strength to do the right thing? Would you help me? I am stuck. Everything within me is discouraged, but wants to hope. Hope for what? That this marriage will magically heal itself? How dumb is that? How many years should I wait? How many years? How many decades? How how long you been stuck? (sighs) The fixer, empathetic empathetic pleaser in me is toxic, and I have lost myself. That is where I will start. I will start learning about my strengths and weaknesses. Okay, so what are my strengths? Why don't you think about those? What are my weaknesses? Yep. Now think about those. Why, where are you weak and where are you strong? So here's a toxic relationship evaluation. I know a relationship is toxic if... I wake up at night rationalizing, rationalizing. with an ir- irrational irrational <laughs> person in my mind. Yeah, it's like you're arguing with a four-year-old in your sleep. <laughs> Keep going. We repetitively have the same argument. Mm-hmm. All the problems at the beginning of this relationship are still present after years. After years and years and years. Every single problem you had at the beginning is still there. That person is making no movement and has no internal insight into their own need for healing. I am intensely anxious when I think about being around this person. I am making myself very small and am trying to be invisible and walk on eggshells. Yeah, you're like tiptoeing in your own house. I am compelled to keep going and think there will be a different outcome. Yeah, if you're compelled over and over and over to go back and try to fix this, and it ends in the same place over and over again, whew. 
I keep repeating the same type of relationship. So if you break up with this person and you get in another relationship that's exactly like it, maybe a little better, but exactly like it, maybe a little worse. Uh, there's inner healing that you have to do for yourself to, to stop the codependency so that you attract uh, healthier relationships and you don't let people rob you of who you are. Walk into recovery one day at a time. Mm, this is relationship recovery. Understanding relationship addiction makes excuses and are incapable of a healthy relationship without significant work okay so if you've been in one two or three relationship addictions you need work it's you you're the sick one you're the one that keeps repeating the pattern and when i realized that whoa wait a minute i'm the sick one okay now i can stop trying to fix manage and control them and i can start working on me right and now it's i got something within my power i can take care of it takes two whole people to make one healthy relationship. Well, look at that. <laughs> this may take some time apart to accomplish. Relationship codependency leads to relationship addiction and are the center of the problem that empowers relapse and other addiction cycles. If you escape this toxic relationship, the next one is just around the corner. Do your do your own healing work. Yeah, so if I don't do my healing work and I just blame them, forget it. I'm going to repeat this nonsense. Speak truth and love. Develop your own identity. Learn to trust yourself. Make others earn your trust. This needs to be at least a two-year journey. Do not tolerate any anger or manipulation towards you or from you towards others or from your own internal critic yeah i i got a little internal critic and sometimes she's ugly towards me <laughs> so i have to tell her no you're not going to speak to me that way you're going to speak you're going to speak to yourself with kindness and with grace and with compassion so step back and have courage and trust that you can find your own path in life if you can make any decision what would give you the most peace hmm, if you could have anything you wanted what would it be so here's the application in a toxic relationship, things may never really change. The love bombing may return for a moment, but soon the same argument reoccurs. The sick cycle of blaming and flipping your words and arguing returns. If your marriage significant relationship has this kind of dynamic, you probably spend all your energy, time, and thoughts consumed with confusion. You may even mirror sick behaviors because at that you may even mirror sick behaviors back at that person. Yeah, so I may be just as sick as they are, Will, yeah. <laughs> because I'm just mirroring what they're doing. I'm just as immature as they are. So I'm part of the problem. So if you are passive and you lose yourself, and you, or if you fight back, these things escalate. If you compromise, they push and bully you to a position you are, where you're under their control. You may give away your power to them to gain power over them in other areas. <laughs> If you are told you are crazy for years and somebody bashes you verbally on a regular basis, distance is necessary to even hear your own thoughts. If you know your thoughts and then they change when you are with this person, you are controlled. Distance is needed. If you are depressed, distance is needed. If you are suicide, distance is mandatory. Oh, yeah. If you're suicidal, if you're thinking, no, it would just be better if I died. I'd be out of the way. The children would have the insurance policy. I wouldn't have to split the house. I wouldn't have to go through a toxic divorce. Yeah, this is it's mandatory that you go get help. If you've got suicidal thinking, if that relationship is that sick, this is not you, baby. <laughs> you get up and you go save yourself. 
depression and suicidal ideations ideations in a toxic relationship are common Mm -hmm. these are huge signs or these are huge signals that you must find the strength to leave you may have to leave 10 times to be strong enough to totally remain free but your life depends upon getting free. Yeah, I give you a little fight muscle, girl. You just get up and fight, buddy. Get up and fight for your freedom. If you're suicidal, it, that's what they're putting on you. That's the that's the depth of the toxicity of this relationship. And there is no decision to make other than saving yourself. Self preservation. I want you to take every repetitive stuck thought that you have and flip it upside down. Uh, um, if you say, "I can't leave." I may not be able to leave today, but I can envision what that would look like tomorrow or plan and plan. I can't make it on my own. I may have to live with a leaky air mattress for for a bed and a lawn chair in the corner of an attic, but I can make it. Uh, they will kill me if I leave. I can go to a critic shelter, a crisis cri- shelter, a crisis shelter, where they know how to protect me and establish legal means to produce or proceed. Procure. procure more protection. Mm-hmm. Now listen to the toxic lies one more time and change them. If we believe a lie, we empower the liar. It is time to take back my power. Flip your thoughts in this space here below. So in the book, there's spaces for writing uh, out the answers to these questions and really processing this. You could process this with a counselor. So if I can't leave, I want you to flip that on its head. I can't. I may not be able to leave today, but tomorrow I might be able to. I can't make it on my own. I can plan where I can start making it on my own. Uh, they'll kill me if I leave. Well, so be it. It'd be better than staying here and killing myself. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And, and it's a yucky choice. It stinks. Uh, it's sad that you got put in that position. But the only way you're going to get out of it is to make those hard choices. Domestic violence or any form of severe physical or verbal abuse is 100% exit now. Sign. Yeah, just exit. If there's domestic violence, just get your kids and go. Do what you must do to escape. Amen. Domestic violence shelters, homeless shelters, family members, basements, do it now. You and your children are worth it. Get legal counsel. Empower yourself with lots of emotional support around you and listen to their counsel. No contact is best if possible. Use restraining orders and all legal means available to you to establish boundaries. The goal is freedom from abuse. This is a mental prison and your thoughts that have been captured are not your own listen to the words of others who work with those in domestic violence you cannot trust yourself right now so this sounds like addiction uh when a person's actively addicted and they'll get 24 hours 48 hours of sobriety they'll say to you oh i can do it now well three days later they're high again Mm -hmm. and then they'll say no i can do it now well after six weeks of this they prove to you that they cannot trust themselves that they cannot make their own decisions so you have to step in and make the decisions for them or uh, a rehab has to step in or the court system steps in and says you will do this you will do that this is what you're going to do and i'm going to put these boundaries on you so a lot of times in domestic violence well we've lost our own decision making power where we can't make any decisions so i want you to turn those decisions over to the strongest person that loves you the most and you say to them what would you do in this circumstance if you were me and then i want you to listen to what they're saying and i want you to obey it because you cannot trust yourself so what's the principle 
If I agree with lies, I empower the mm. liar. Shift and spend your energy secretly empowering yourself to acquire your freedom mentally, financially, physically, and spiritually. Then even if you decide to stay, you have developed trust in yourself and your ability to radically accept your loved one. They most likely won't change, but you won't be trying to manage someone else's happiness. You will return that job to them. Now you can find you. It is your trust. It is your trust within yourself to do what is best for you and your children or those under your care that needs to be priority. Go to support groups, codependency groups, and counseling if that is available to you. If not, journal your inner thoughts. This will allow you to hear your fears and help you release your stressors. The problem will be out on paper. If problems are not pulled up out of your subconscious into your conscious thoughts process, it will be impossible to stop the confusion and decide. The confusion will claim your future. Mm-hmm. So when those problems come on paper, now I can see them. And now I can process them. So Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to hear your voice clearly within my own heart. Help me to detach from the confusion and find a place of safety within myself. Give me the resolve to protect me and my children and to do the work necessary so that I don't repeat this same scenario again. Set all the right people in my path to help me and give me wise counsel and help me to have the courage to follow it. And we just love you. And this was The Rock of Recovery, and this was Angie Meadows. And this is Will. You want to listen to this again? It's on our podcast, Our Rock of Recovery.